0: welcome back to why though we are so pumped to have you we are in the middle of our relationship series and it's going oh so well y'all telling us some good stuff in the dms learning so much about what it means to navigate through healthy relationships and what it takes from us and what's required in this moment especially in the year 2021 of our lord where it is not a whole lot different than 2020 so far so you know we're, we're getting there we're getting there people and today ashley and i have a wonderful, wonderful guest who is a friend of ours. It is the one, it is the only, it is Kate Warman. Say hello, Kate. Hey, you ladies. What's up? We're so glad to have you here. Kate has a new book coming out. Thank you for rejecting me. You can pre-order it right now. It releases Tuesday the 16th, I believe, right? Tuesday the 16th? Yes,
2: yes, it does, girl. Right after that Valentine's Day, you know? (laughs) Yeah,
0: and she has such an important... Message about relationships and how to handle rejection. So, we are going to spend some time with Kate, get to know her, get to know her story. So, Kate, tell us a little bit about yourself and also what's saving your life right now.
2: Yeah. Oh, my gosh, girls. I'm just so happy to be here. Uh, So, okay, about myself, I live in Los Angeles, California. I'm a relationship coach. Never thought I'd say that, but here we are. (laughs) Um, I'm a relationship coach, um, a speaker. I am a podcast host. I started the Heart of Dating podcast, which really. Birth this whole thing that I do today and becoming a dating coach, and now I'm an author, which is crazy. Uh, but I really love getting to walk alongside men and women navigating the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian because let's face it, hashtag the struggle is real, and it really is, y'all. It is, and they, Christians have all these perspectives on like how dating should go. And the reality is dating is not in the Bible. So, uh, I created this whole ministry to really help people with better tools and guidance, and also to make it less awkward and weird and treacherous for them because sometimes it just feels that way. And I actually believe dating can be fun. (laughs) So, uh, so that's a little bit about me. I'm also a single woman. So I also have the joy of doing this alongside singles because I get it. I went through a breakup last year. I've been through so many different dating situations. So I really get the weight and pain of loneliness and hardship and heartbreak and discouragement. And so I get it. Uh, What is saving my life right now? Uh, I will say uh, sleep.
1: (laughs)
0: Oh, that's a word. That's a (laughs) word.
2: What's that? I wouldn't know, Kate. (laughs) I have no (laughs) idea what that is. (laughs) I know. for Ashley. Like, what? Uh. Seriously. I'm like, uh, honestly, without, uh, like, ladies, this is the only thing. I'm like, praise God for singleness right now. And that I can go to bed at a certain time, wake up yeah. at a certain hour. That is what honestly, I'm most, grateful. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs>
1: it is exactly what I missed the most, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> From
2: singleness is sleeping when you yes. want. Oh my gosh, that's Absolute. the best thing. Doing answer what ever. I want
1: and sleeping when I want. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's fabulous. so good. Okay, so, so sleep. Good. Anything else saving your life?
2: um okay sleep is saving my life um gosh i feel so uninspired i'm like basic things are saving my life right now Mm. like epsom salt baths like Mm. let's be real oh that's next level (laughs) that that's not elementary that's that's
0: i take some care and intention
2: You know, I've taken one every day the last three days, like creating my own at home spa life, candles. Mm. You know, I think we're just at home right now so much that we have to change up and like make our space something sacred for us. So I have my own plants. I became a plant mom in COVID. I have Constant candles, <laughs> like different scents, and then I got my favorite ones. And my coffee routine every day. And y'all, I just like I have to. I'm in my space a lot, so I have to mm-hmm. enjoy it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. like. it's yeah. the same
1: for us at the Abercrombie house. That is exactly <laughs> it. My husband actually, we don't have a bathtub. My kids have one in their bathroom, but we have a shower. So, he bought these shower steamers, and you put Ooh. them like off to the side, and like eucalyptus, wow. eucalyptus comes up, or you know, lavender, and Ooh. they're really fabulous. So it feels like we're Creating a spa, we'll light a candle in the bathrooms. The same I do. We can't go to the spa, right? It's been like over a year now yeah, since I've I know. been. There's like so many germs <laughs> at one of those. I'm like, yes, I exactly. really miss it though. Me too. Oh my gosh, me too.
0: Okay, <laughs> yes. like let's camp on that for a minute. Do you remember going to a spa and just like the mass amount?
2: of bodies together Mm -hmm. in one space and you're like that
0: seems like that will not be a thing for a hot minute i Mm -hmm. know
2: think about it like all i want is a steam room but i'm like wow like that's like really lots of germs in there everybody like Mm -hmm. we're just like steaming out all the toxins to everybody else in the same room i'm like dang it i love my steam rooms and i'm not gonna be able to do that
0: But Might yeah, the minute. mass
2: amount of bodies. It's hilarious.
0: That's, it's, a, it's a lot of flesh. It's kind of a lot. to Think about
1: it. It is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Kate. So we know how much you're you're in love with the spot and miss it. And I'm in Los Angeles too, so I get you completely. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> we finally have restaurants open again, though, you guys, which is perfect. Oh my lord! So that, that can be a game life. Saner, right? <laughs> sit yeah. out by the ocean or sit out on a nice little patio. It's so that nice. That is what I
2: did last night, girl. Yes, Say, yes, praise. We did it the
1: other day, and I was like,
2: "This is restoring my soul." <laughs> <laughs> I said two weeks ago, I was like, "All I want is just a happy hour by the ocean with the right? sunset, and I just have." that just outside just outside please
1: and just in time for your book release so you can (laughs) have all the nice things (laughs) well tell us a little bit about your background Kate because I think you have one of the most Mm -hmm. powerful stories Mm -hmm. and you are such a joy-filled person that I don't Mm -hmm. think people really understand the the depths of the things that you've overcome and Mm the kind of person that you are now, I mean, it's just like, truly, I think about Daniel, um, you know, the friends, like um, his friends in the fire and then coming out not smelling like smoke. And that is mm. really true of you. Mm-hmm. And the way that you shepherd people, I mean, guys, I don't know how to tell you, like, she, I don't know that you'd call yourself this, but she's such a pastor, like the way she loves people, cares mm-hmm. for them, it down to the tiniest little details, The the people who are part of your platform communities and the people that you invite to speak at conferences, your friends in your life, like you're so thoughtful. So tell us a little bit about your story and how you got where you are to write a book like thank you for rejecting
2: me oh my gosh first of all oh my heart it's like exploding I love that thanks <laughs> Ashley uh, mm-hmm. words of affirmation are my love language so thank yeah.
1: you. Well, it's true about you <laughs> uh,
2: yes. um so yeah I mean gosh my story I <clears throat> so I grew up in a like I love my parents, but it was a tumultuous environment. You know, my parents were fighting. I didn't understand why. And for me, my coping me- mechanism was okay. I I want to solve this. You know, feeling of distress in my family. And so the way I knew to do that was to become louder and to perform, perform, and be the best at all the things I did. Uh, and so I would be louder, and I would be. You know, I'd have temper tantrums, and I would be the best at school. These are my two ways to try to get seen and to get heard. And this developed patterns in my life um, of being a performer, which for better or for worse, some of that is good, honestly, like talking about entrepreneurship, some of that is really good. But it's when I sank my identity into that, that it becomes, you know, bad for me as an individual. And, um, but the other thing that really happened in my childhood is, I kind of lacked attention from um, male figures in my life. And so I very early on, like, I remember seeing a movie when I was like nine years old, and seeing the love story between these two people and just clinging to that, like, wow, that kind of of love exists really like I don't see that with my parents like that exists that kind of I adore you love and because I so desperately wanted that and so desperately wanted affirmation from a male type figure I kind of clung to relationships for my you know, desire of feeling worthy, feeling loved, feeling seen. And so this started me on a journey of being what I like to call boy obsessed. And um, from an early age, from about 10, 11, 12, I started becoming really, really into boys. And at 14, I started dating And for 10 years, I dated back to back. Like, ladies, I was not single at all. Like, I don't even remember if there was like maybe a week. I have no idea if there was actually much time at all that I was single for a full 10 years from basically 14 to 24. I dated back-to-back. One year I had quote-unquote 16 boyfriends. Uh, I did also have a long-term relationship there, but all of this ended with me in um, finding myself in an abusive relationship, and that relationship was basically abusive in every way. It was physically abusive um, and spiritually abusive, sexually abusive, emotionally abusive with all the gaslighting. And I never really experienced something like that before. And because of the my own belief system, because I believed that I needed to get love and affirmation from a man, I stayed in that relationship. I wanted to perform to be the best. My performance skills came into play and I was like, what can I do to make this guy love me and accept me? What can I do to make this guy not cheat on me? What can I do to make him feel connected? connected to me. And of course, knowing what I know now, that was never going <laughs> to that was never going to happen. You know, you can't change a toxic person. You can't convince a toxic person to want to care about you, to want to love you, to want to treat you right. And I think that is a one one lie we we fall into when we're in an abuse cycle. And so I was in that relationship for two and a half years and when I finally had the strength to get out of it, Uh, I found myself looking in the mirror and saying, wow, I don't even know who Kate is. Like, I don't even know what Kate is outside of relationships. And I have not been single. And who is this person? I had clung my identity so much to two things, the performance and being the best and to men. And I was like, wow, I really like, I don't know who I am without those two things. And it started a long road of healing, therapy, spiritual um discipleship and working through a lot of layers and healing things from my past and my childhood and really actually taking a break off of men completely (laughs) Uh, and then leading me three years later um, to starting to feel more healed, more uh, aware of myself, more in tune with who I was and I started dating again and at that point I started being like, hey, I want to do this dating thing right (laughs) Uh, but uh, I found that there weren't that many resources dating as a Christian specifically And so I started doing it in a different way, but I still was really unsure. And I ended up dating somebody who I thought I was going to marry. And we, you know, it was that relationship where you're like, oh my gosh, this is it. He loves Jesus. He loves me. All my friends like him. This is going to happen. And I was so invested in that relationship. And then out of nowhere, he broke my heart. And he, you know, said the line of, you know, I don't have peace about being with you. And I was like, what? I do. I hate that (laughs) line. It's like, own own
1: your crap, bud. Don't talk about God told me and I don't have peace. Are you kidding me right now? I know Sorry, just was. had to interrupt to say it, to just no. affirm you and be like, that is ridiculous and irresponsible and not owning your stuff.
2: OK, oh my gosh, for real. And I like seriously, I mean, hashtag bless his heart. He is a sweetheart and we have a great relationship today. But yes, I think he was like not sure of what was really going on in his heart. I think something mm. fell off and he couldn't put his finger on it. And to be honest, ladies, what ended up happening, I believe we haven't talked about this, he and I, but I believe he saw that I was actually still really insecure and put him on a pedestal and he was mm. afraid of telling me the truth because of what that would do to me. Now that's mm. a codependent response, but I think mm-hmm. truly I revealed in that relationship how much I put him on a pedestal, Mm. (laughs) which was something God had to reveal to me after. Uh, But it was in the wake of that heartbreak that um, God led me to starting my podcast. And I honestly am thankful for that rejection because it really led me into a place of diving deeper into the heart of God. And I don't think, if if that guy didn't reject me, to be honest, I don't think I would've started my podcast. I don't think I'd be talking to you ladies today. (laughs) Mm. Can I ask a question,
0: where did, your relationship with Jesus blossom in this because you talked about 14 to 24 and then you talked about meeting this guy who was a believer. But where did where did the identity crisis kind of come meet, meet rock bottom in understanding your identity in Jesus? I'm curious how that kind of played out.
2: Yeah, great question. So it was after my abusive relationship. I, you know, I was a Catholic growing up. I in high school switched over to non denominational church. And then I was a part of the purity culture. And we can go all into things with the Josh Harris and I kiss dating goodbye and just lots of things that impacted me. I was like, wow, this is nuts. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was kind of like riding the Jesus train, but not on a like. Not, I had a lot of highs and lows, and I didn't have a true relationship with God, the Father, the Holy Spirit. I, I didn't have a holistic relationship until I would say after that abusive relationship. And I, yeah, I actually switched churches in that time, I remember, and I switched churches for a variety of reasons, but um, I went to this church and I heard that they had a retreat that was called Hearing the Voice of God. And I was like, you know what? That sounds great. So I didn't know anybody. I went on this retreat and it was so profound on my healing journey, and mm. I felt for the first time deeply connected to the to the father and then I started getting inner healing and just diving deeper into my identity and relationship with God. like I feel like I knew God, but it was very much i this is going to sound strange, but I think this has happens when you have any sort of passive figure in your life, especially if it's a father who's passive, right. I believe that you kind of associate God with those same characteristics so yes. For me, I thought God was a passive God. I thought God didn't really care about the things in my life. I thought God was like, you know, that he was angry at me. I thought that he didn't really love me because those were things I was searching for from my own father. So I I associated God in heaven like my my father on earth, which was being really passive. And so I didn't understand the true love of God until... Um, I went on that journey uh, after that abusive relationship. Man, it is so hard be- healing from that, those sorts of things. Yeah. But yeah. also, I needed it. You know, like yeah. I, I needed that healing time in my life. I love
1: that. I honestly don't think that there's too much more difficult as a Christian to date a, another Christian who turns out to do all the things that you really yes. <laughs> would expect him not to do. Like, it's such a mind game to discover that somebody doesn't really love Jesus in the same ways, or that they are not dealing with their own unhealthy patterns, and then that you have to deal with your own. And yeah. I experienced that in a, in a very bad breakup, you know, that sense of just, you know, wait a minute, I thought I was dating this guy because he's Christian, and I just gave too much credit to him because he was a believer. So yes. can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think that sometimes as women in the church we get very excited about people because we're like oh he's in the church, he's serving Ooh. he seems to really love Jesus and then I don't know about you but like six months down the track I was like I don't think this guy's even saved like mm. I <laughs> genuinely think he might not know the Lord so I mean can you speak oh, to speak to this a little gosh. bit because I think a lot of women are facing this. How do you judge someone's character instead of just being excited that they're a Christian? <laughs> you know, like, oh talk my about gosh that. girl
2: for <laughs> real so the guy that I dated who and Ended up being abusive. He worked for a church. He was like, of course he staff, did. Staff, and he was like <laughs> all the things. And at first, I remember we broke up. We got back together, broke up so many times. One of the first times he broke up with me, he's like, "You're not Christian enough for me." I was like, "Okay, Whoa. um yeah." I was like, um "Thanks," but uh, but then and I was like, "Oh my gosh, so much shame on my end." He works for a church, like blahdy blah, but. Here's a reality, and this is what I say to people. Like, you, just because they go to church, just be, I mean, and that's even where I come to, like, everyone's like, I can't date a guy unless he's fully active and serving and committed to his church, and I'm like... What does that even say about his character? I mean, truly, I mean, that's great if he's doing that, but that doesn't mean he's a great quality guy. It doesn't. You have to see the character through time because there are a lot of Christians who can walk the walk, who can quote the Bible verses, who can show up every week and serve and volunteer and honestly have a compartmentalized relationship with God to the point of like, it's just, it's a part of their like rhythm, but they don't actually connect with God. <laughs> they don't actually have a relationship. They're not actually keeping accountable. So for me, it comes to like looking at the fruits of the spirit in someone's life. I don't care yeah. about your spiritual resume. Like, cool, you serve at church. Cool, you. I mean, I li- that's nice. Like maybe you have a servant heart, but I wanna see the fruits of the spirit through time. Cool, if you can quote all of Proverbs, amazing. Um, Also, I don't really care because I wanna see if you practice the things in Proverbs, Proverbs in your life, like, like let's actually talk about the fruits of the spirit. And for me, there's a great book out there called "How to Avoid Falling in Love with a Jerk," and oh, it's I a, love that it's an awesome book by a psychologist, Doctor John Van Epp, and he says it in the book. He says, like, you know, you have to see the person's character through time, and anybody can pretend to be anyone for basically 90 days. <laughs> So true. So like, and I have experienced that, man. Like, I so my whole thing with dating is date, like, be open, date more than one person, don't commit to anybody, and watch their character through time. Yeah. Be be honest with them that you're doing that. But just because you meet this guy who's a worship the worship leader and la di la does not mean he's necessarily a quality guy. <laughs> so or like true with character <laughs> so true
1: and I think about your book coming out Tiffany too pray tell yes. and just the idea that you know somebody can somebody can profess a level of conviction and belief that they actually do not possess right. and I think that that is so important because it can lead to all kinds of levels of abuse or hiding or performing and we do that too right like I used to be the same way I could serve in the church and be completely broken <laughs> nobody yes. would know so I'm not I'm not saying I don't have the capacity to do that I certainly don't want to have that kind of blaming culture but I think it is really Really important that we note what you just said, Kate, and that is to look for people who have the fruit of the spirit that is tested through time. Like, what are they like in transition? What are they like in change? What are they like when things don't go their way? What are they like behind closed doors? Do they treat you differently in private than they would in public? Like, do mm. they act a certain way on Sunday and a different way on Tuesday? Like, these are all things to be taking note of in all the relationships in our life because it's so important that we note people's integrity and let that be the thing that attracts us to them.
0: Right, I think first impressions are very hard to break. You know, 90% of us have a really hard time believing that the person we met at the beginning is different than the person at the end. And so it is, as you said, this dissonant experience when you're like, you aren't who you said you are and we pay the price for it because the whole time we're looking for that confirmation bias Mm -hmm. to find reasons to believe that you are who you said you are. Mm -hmm. And then when we don't, we're like, wait, am I the fool? Is he the fool? How did this happen? And it just shows you, I mean, narcissism is a... Equal opportunity employer. Like we
1: Yes. We can is. find people oh, who are gosh. about
0: themselves and can whine yeah. us and dine us but not mean a thing.
2: Yep. There's yeah. an amazing um, talk that I think everyone should listen to if they haven't called "The Anatomy of Trust" by Brené Brown. It's like twenty so to thirty good. minutes. Yeah. I literally listened to it so many times. I'm like, I need this. Who are my marble jar people, and what requires, yeah. what what is it for me that somebody gets a marble in the marble jar? And we should take that same approach not just with friends, but with dating too. Yes. Like, why am I trusting this person? <laughs> you know, like, yep. and not that you shouldn't open up and be vulnerable and like be open to trusting someone. But again, it takes, there are qualities and factors that you need to know what actually builds trust for you. Not just words that's coming out of their mouth or some sort of perceived, you know, amazing image at the church, but like really what is it for you that's going to build trust with that person? So for me, that's been a huge lesson because I used to like, you know, coming back to abuse, I used to be very into love bombing and somebody who like love mm. bomb me immediately, I'd be like, oh my gosh, words of affirmation. And oh, I feel so good. And what I realized actually is like, those words don't mean that much at the beginning. Like, you don't actually know me. Like, how, like, you can't tell me, like, that you want me to be your future wife. You don't know me yet. Like, I want that, those words to be through time, you share them, but love bombing in the beginning can be a, you know, honestly, a really bad manipulative tactic. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Mm -hmm. So in your book, it's obviously in the title, Thank You for
0: Rejecting Me, how have you processed this rejection? I know um, even in your video trailer, you talk about that your book was the book you ended up needing after uh, a relationship ended that you thought this was was the guy, this is the guy you were going to spend the rest of your life with. So talk about how you've processed that rejection.
2: Mm, Yeah, so the The irony of writing a book on rejection is, then you still experience it. Like you <laughs> go to the depths of like your biggest life rejections, which I did in this book. Um, and the book's not just about heartbreak and it's not just about dating like rejections. It's about the ways we self reject. It's about abandonment. It's about being bullied or feeling like you don't fit in with people. And there's so many ways in which we reject. It's not just like oh a guy rejects me. It can be we're even rejecting ourselves. And so, uh, yeah, I think. (laughs) that was the funniest thing last year and also the most emotional experience to be writing this book feeling also at the same time that I was diving into my darkest stories and that like wow God is redeeming my story right now I'm dating this amazing guy it's going really well man like this feels so powerful my heart and then you know (laughs) to have it months later after my manuscripts turned in and was this moment of like, oh my gosh, this is so painful. And the day after that breakup, I got a email from my publisher that was like, you gotta read your book one more time. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I just got broken up with. Um, but what I realized is rejection, And what I wanna share, I guess, with people is that rejection will continue to happen to us. Like this is a point, you know, case in point with my situation here, but Um, We can be stronger to have tools to fight for ourselves and to not lose ourselves entirely in the wake of those rejections. I'd be so lying to everybody if I didn't say that that painful rejection last year after I wrote a book on rejection, that breakup wasn't hard for me. It was hard. It was treacherous. I grieved. I lamented. I was like ugly crying most days for like a few weeks after that breakup. And yet I found my path to strength really quickly, like way quicker than I have in the past because I've built up tools for myself so that rejection can prick me but not take me down entirely so that those lies of rejection don't just come and start eating away at me and that's what i want to offer to people through this book is like man rejection will still hurt we're right. not invincible human beings but we can have tools to fight for ourselves and knowing also simultaneously like the hopeful grieving i talk about in the book which is that hope is not the absence of good, or, or and not the absence of pain, I should say, but it's the expectation of future good, knowing yeah. the character of God. And if we can hold on to that sense of hope, knowing God will come through in some way, don't know when, don't know how, may be different than how I expect it to happen, you know, but I can hold fast knowing God's character that at some point this will re- be redeemed in some way. And yet still I can grieve right now and invite him into the pain because he does care about it. Yeah, Yeah. that's
1: so beautiful. I really love that. And I think that sometimes we do have the expectation, you know, Tiffany and I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but sometimes we do have the expectation that once we're healed, it's a one and done, or that you can arrive in a place in life or in relationships that you never experience any hurt. But that's not actually true, you know, like, because life is life and we are people and we are people who are capable of hurting others. And I think that that's so important that you talked about having a tool set to deal with rejection or deal with abandonment or deal with those things, do you have a couple of practical tools you could offer our listeners that are just like, hey, if you're experiencing rejection right now, here's a couple of things I would invite you to do.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing is just allow yourself to feel all the feels. Um, And I think that like as Christians, we like to use the Christianese where we're like, man, I mean, I'm going through a hard time but you know, God is good and you know, he's great and everything will be fine. And I'm like, oh, okay, like that's fine. But do you actually even believe that really right now? Like, do you? So the first thing I just want to invite people to feel their feels, feel the pain to heal the pain and invite God into that. Um, there's a great sermon by Tim Keller called Praying Your Tears. And I think when we look at the Psalms, that's what we see David doing, lamenting, you know, and we can invite God into our pain like that. and. I also reference this book in my book, um, "The Body Keeps the Score," which I think Mm -hmm. is so important. We need to know that if we don't. My favorite book on
1: trauma, by the way. I hate to interrupt, but I'm like every time I have the opportunity to evangelize for this book, I will. (laughs) This is the top book on trauma. It might take you, you know, nine months to read it because it's It's such a hard read. Gosh, it's so worth it.
2: (laughs) It's so good, Um, and it just transformed my perspective. Like, it really, like, the trauma will live in our nervous system if we don't. Work through it, and that can be really scary for people. But your feelings don't have to be scary, and um, you can you can you need to at least acknowledge them and and move through the pain. So um, definitely feel the pain to heal the pain. And, and that looks like, you know, also not allowing yourself to just get stuck in it (laughs) because when I cry, I don't want to be crying all day long, you know, and, and getting into a place of depression, but we have to be able to move through the stages of grief and they are stages and they, you know, you may get to acceptance one day, which is the last stage of grief, but you may go back to denial the next day or to anger. And that's okay. It's a definitely a wave of emotion. So feeling the pain to heal the pain. And I would also just, um, ask everyone to ask themselves, what are your biggest lies in the face of rejection? And um, when it comes to dating, I always say, if you're going to put yourself out there well, dating or a new job or really anything, what is the biggest thing you're afraid of? Um, We need to tackle whatever that is (laughs) and start working through that now, because that's a really deep neural pathway that's been created in your brain that says, I'm not worthy. I'm too much. I'm not enough, whatever it is. And therefore what's going to happen is if you put yourself out there um, and you already have that belief system, then if that thing doesn't go to plan, if that guy doesn't like you, if that job doesn't come through, then you're immediately into believing that lie. And then you'll fall over time into what I call the victim belief system or VBS. I just, in my book, I call it VBS, (laughs) which we all can remember VBS, but this is a new way for VBS. (laughs) So, and the victim belief system is just like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to find secure love. Oh my gosh, nobody's ever going to find me interesting, you know? And that is honestly can be that's where I see a lot of people landing when it comes to rejection they fall into the victim belief system you have to recognize that that's not serving you and actually we think of narcissism and pride is just as the narcissist but actually I think beliefs the victim belief system is also incredibly prideful because what is it it's just thinking of yourself constantly and thinking about woe is me all the time and so we have to avoid Falling into the victim belief system. And so, but the step to do that is to recognize what are those lies that you most often believe in the face of rejection, and how can you start today, like rewiring them and addressing them? And maybe it's one by one, but if we don't address them and start healing those, then it will come to attack us when rejection happens. Oh, so
0: good. So good. (laughs) So necessary. And it's like you said, it's that toolbox that you can use all the time and build up and where rejection will prick you, but it won't destroy you. It won't run you off the rails so you can't function. And I think it's what a gift. What a gift. Um, Well, we have just a couple minutes left. I'd love to hear a little bit more about just advice you'd give to other single listeners as they're navigating dating, relationship building, online dating, especially in the time of Corona. What is some good wisdom that you can give these
2: listeners? Okay, I love this. I will just say, dating does not have to be weird, and um, (laughs) that's my biggest advice. Dating does not have to be weird. Stop making it weird. Um, And the thing we need to do is, yes, we can. Again, we could go into the VBS about COVID and that. Oh, I can't meet people in real life now, Kate. Oh, nope. But there's online dating. You can still make eyes at somebody at a coffee shop or a grocery store. You can ask for setups. Like we are not. We do not have to be victims to the current situation. We can find new ways to do it. And with that, in tandem with that, is dating doesn't have to be weird. It's weird if you make it weird. Like on a first date, you don't need to pray and get confirmation from God before you say yes. Okay, love you that. Can <laughs> literally, just go out with that person. It's just lunch, or it's just whatever it is. Right. And, um. Don't. It, my my caveat there is like, don't make out with them. Just have a good time talking with them. And it like I think we get so nervous about what that date means. And I'm like, just it can turn into a friendship if nothing else. <laughs> like, why does this have to be so much pressure? Right. Um, <clears throat> So Dr. Henry Cloud talks about this, but I'm going to reference it. Uh, We often go from, we often say the stages are single, dating, engaged, married. Mm. And I'd like to throw in a fifth little stage here. I'd like to say it's single, dating, relationship, engaged, married. Oh, that's so good. So good. Why I want to say that is because dating is to figure out if you want to be in a relationship with that person. Yes. (laughs) So I am dating to see what is your character. I'm dating to see what, what initiative you take. I'm dating to see if we, if I like being around you as a friend, I'm dating to get curious. I'm dating to learn more about myself. I'm dating to have good memories and you know, why can't you do that? And then through time and then decide if I want to be in a relationship with you, because what we do and Christians do, and this is what makes it weird. It's like, I'm on a date and already I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to be in a relationship. And then after like three dates, it's like, do you want to be exclusive or do you want to be in a relationship with me? And I'm like, what? I don't know you yet. I don't know if I want to be in a relationship with you yet. (laughs) That's right. And so we make, we put too much pressure on it.
1: Yeah, I love that. You know, Cody always tells people, you know, it's the big DTR conversation, right? Like define the relationship, (laughs) define the relationship, define the relationship. And when we were dating, we never did that. And I got a lot of pressure from girlfriends all around me to do it. But I had always done that in my former relationships and had never worked out for me because then we both felt the pressure to either get married or take Mm -hmm. a step towards marriage or stop dating. And it's like we were something in between. And that was true about Cody and I until we, you know, made the step towards engagement. And so I love what you're saying. It's like we do need to take the pressure off. And I think that's one way those of us who are married can love our single friends better is that we do take the pressure off and we ask yeah. questions about your life and the way you live and what you hope for instead of being like, so how's it going? Tell me everything. Do you think you're going to marry him? It's like, everybody calm down, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't
2: know yet. I don't even know his brother's exactly. name. I don't know right? if he's going to
1: marry him. Oh, of
0: course. It's
2: so funny. It's so important. I
0: think especially <laughs> as you're speaking to an entire generation of men and women who did grow up in purity culture and were taught to only court and you're only courting oh someone one if you plan to marry them and so it's, true. it's a done deal. And so there's no room to grow. There's no room to right. discover. I remember yeah. reading right. boundaries and dating as a late teen, early twenties. And I had never heard such permissive culture in dating of like, no, go on date. See mm. if you like them. See if that works right. out. And I'm like, what? Yeah. That, that's how, that's how, uh, just, uh, repressed the the purity culture was to sell a generation millions and millions and millions of men and women who were taught like no there's no room to date dating was like you were a hussy if you went on dates like truly (laughs) i'm just guys that's crazy oh yeah girl it was and that was the expectation like if it if it was found out that you were hanging exclusively at mcdonald's with one other person of the opposite sex at that time then you were like what were you thinking what were you doing being alone Jeez. with that person oh so that oh, was girl. that was the norm yeah. oh yeah oh yeah that was the norm and i know so it many of you, me if you in culture, i mean you're that. hearing this so to hear this you know uh, um our our friend deb felita says this true love dates right like yes. there's there's room to get to know people and um one of my uh one of my counselors in the past he always said this and i've told ashley this before he said, "Unless you puke in your mouth a little bit, go on a second date. Like you just never know somebody until you know
1: somebody. You know? I've never heard that. I agree That's with amazing. that. I mean, I really do agree with it. I'm like, <laughs> we don't too. know. I
0: think of, I think of my own. I've been married almost 12 years, and I didn't really have eyes for my husband until like month four of just hanging out. Yes. yes. And then I was Same. like, wow, right. I think I, I think I could see myself with you. It took yes. months and months, and I was there was yep. no romantic interest in the beginning at all. It truly was just like, hey." Here, buddy, like, let's, let's hang out. Let's
1: walk around <laughs> Walmart because we live in a small town and that's the oh my gosh. <laughs> Wow, I'm proud uh, to say that Tiffany has since upgraded to target. So yes. I just want all of our listeners to stop worrying right now. That. Yeah. She is a target fan for life. She taught for me life. about end caps. She knows what's going on guys.
2: <laughs> I, love I mean, in target runs. total side note, you guys on target somebody, you know, I just found out the book, my book is like on, you can pre-order it on target. And I was like, oh, it was like Yay! this moment where I was like, this is so exciting it why is. am i so excited just about target it's just a moment where i'm like it's at target it's the like, best i'm so you happy and target for you
1: except
0: that they're the like third biggest book retailer whatever it's fine nobody cares but it's, yeah. great. <laughs> it's,
1: it's great it's great i'm so happy for you and guys seriously we want you to take a minute now to order kate's book and to take a moment to get it for a friend and even consider maybe doing a book club with some friends because we all know what it's like to have the sting of rejection in our life and we all know the pain of dealing with abandonment or trying to overcome our past and tiffany and i really believe this will be an incredible resource for you she also has an audiobook and the digital book so however you like to read or listen this book is available to you and we do not want our listeners to miss out so pre-order or get if you're listening to this afterward um thank you for rejecting me and kate thank you so much for being such an incredible guest and for such a life giving conversation we're so glad to have you on why though
2: You guys, this is so fun. Thank you. I love you
0: girls. (laughs) All right. Thanks, listeners. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, listeners. Remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's
2: writing, speaking, or books, visit AshAbercrombie.org. See you next week.